0: This is the Endurance Church podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And last week when we talked about the Holy Spirit, we were talking about how the Holy Spirit is introduced in the book of Genesis And in Genesis, we saw the Trinity revealed at the very beginning. We saw that the Holy Spirit, the the Word, which is Jesus and the Father, conveyed. Oh, wow. That was, am I, are you telling me to stop? Oh, wow. All right. I got it. That was me, if that was me. Okay, good. got a quote by one of my favorite pastors of all time. A lot of people don't like him. Because he talks straight truth and he cuts everybody up, me included. I listen to his sermon, I get convicted, I repent, I try to get my life right and back together. That's what happens when you listen to Francis Chan. He cuts everybody up, doesn't care about who you are. He ain't trying to fill up a church. He ain't trying to make you feel good. He's trying to say, this is the truth and you need to be able to respond to the truth. And that's how he preaches. And you know what? This dude was a mega church pastor and he left that church because it turned into a business. Went and started a different church. Now it's a mega church again. But nevertheless, that's just, that's just who he is. But he has this quote. He says, when, you're, when you read the New Testament, you see the Holy Spirit was supposed to change everything so that this gathered of people who call themselves Christians had this supernatural element about them. Why would you, Pastor, talk about the supernatural? Because today we're leaning into supernatural stuff. We live in a naturalistic world. I mean, When I'm in my class, I'm, we're doing our observations of quantitative analysis, we come from a naturalistic perspective. And a naturalist perspective means only thing, the only thing that you can see that exists, touch, feel, taste, the, your senses, that's the only thing you think's reality. But, now let me, let me push against that, let me lean against it, let me talk to you just a little bit. But people today do yoga. And yoga, there are spirits associated with yoga. They do horoscopes. They look at their prophecy. If, if it's natural, why are you looking at a horoscope? Why are the stars influencing? Because the, maybe you think it's the gravity that's influencing your life. That's why you're going to the horoscope. You do, you do New Age praying. You read the, you read the book. I'm going to go at some people. The Secret. The Shack. You read these books that are spiritual books, but they're not Christian. They're not. And as a result, you are saying something that you really need to think about. You're saying, I agree there's a spiritual truth. I just don't think there's a supernatural reality as the Bible depicts. Because the entire Bible is supernatural. The entire book. From the very beginning, God created everything with a word. And then in the book of Acts, we see these people are filled with God's spirit to supernaturally change the earth. And most people think when I'm talking about supernatural, I'm talking about miracles and I'm talking about like running after chariots, but it's supernatural to be able to communicate the gospel that changes people's lives. Now we were given the Holy Spirit to go and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now Samson, he was given the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came upon him and it made him stronger than the Philistines. Solomon was given the Holy Spirit so he had wisdom right? We in the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit to change the world by making disciples. That's your superpower. You have been supernaturally energized by this spirit that we saw last week created the entire planet to be the most effective individual who can preach the gospel, make disciples that have ever lived. You have your own gifts and talents. Those are designed, those talents are designed to help you win people to God. Every week when I do the little Endurance Church Globe, I'm doing that song, um, We Speak to Nations, because God sent the Holy Spirit so that we can actually go to the nations. And that's the problem I have a lot of time with the people who think God came into our life to make us have a better quality of life. That's why some people don't like listening to me, because I don't talk about this is going to make your life better. I don't talk about, hey, you do this, and you know what? All these good things are going to happen to you. Anybody saw what, uh, what Benny Hinn just said a couple weeks ago? What did, he, what did he say? He repented of preaching the prosperity gospel. The, the, one of the, the founders of the gospel, of the prosperity gospel. Now, he's a, almost a millionaire, billionaire now. Now, people are saying, is he going to give that money back? No. I don't think so. I don't know. He might. I mean, if he does, I think, I think if Benny Hinn gives the money back, God will raise him back up to show everybody that God can prosper you. God can prosper you. That's not a problem. But the problem is when you stick on one point and say this is the entirety of the gospel— but the entirety of the gospel is marriage, and everything is about marriage. The entirety of gospel is about healing, and I'm going to talk about healing all the time. The entirety of, like, that's heresy. That's, that's heresy. When you make one point, the entire point of the gospel. And so that's what, that's what he's talking about here. In the context of our time, God has supernaturally enabled us to win people to himself. If you ever wonder why you are good at with people... You're you're good at hurting people. Some of you are good at talking to people, good at counseling people. Like, you have been strategically gifted to win people to Jesus Christ and make them disciples. Now, the only thing that hinders you from doing that, I'd say, is probably your own personal ambition, maybe even fear, but the culture. God's kingdom is about winning people to himself. And the only way people get to his kingdom is if you have the courage and boldness to tell people about Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter, what time? See that? Oh, I got a lot of time. Uh-oh, y'all in trouble. I'm not gonna do you. I know it's football time, so I'm not gonna do that. Uh, I know, I know, see, don't even don't even woo! See, I feel offended now, like right? Genesis chapter six, verses one through four. So last week we were from uh, the beginning of Genesis chapter one, now we're in chapter six. We we completely skipped over what happened in the garden because this is specifically about the Holy Spirit. Here is a scripture that's probably one of the most controversial scriptures of all time, period. And I'm going to talk about it today boldly because I talked about today being a supernatural message. And it means that in a lot of ways. This will probably be, probably for some of you, the most offensive message you've ever heard. And for some of you, the coolest message you've ever heard. But nevertheless, this is a message you need to hear. And verse 1, remember, this is written for the... The Hebrews who had come out of captivity, and now they're trying to understand their world. Remember, Moses is writing this, being led of the Spirit by God to all those Hebrews who had been delivered from Egypt, went through the water. And now they're trying to figure out, who is our God? Tell me something about him. And that's when you go to Genesis, this is an explanation of the God of the universe, of the creator of God. So I'm like Miriam. Like, I'm sitting down learning about God because I'm reading the writings of Moses about God. Because remember, at this time here, there's somebody behind there. Is that somebody? Or that's the, that's the spirit. Okay. So, so listen to this. So it says, understand this. There, the, the, the Hebrew people have been delivered. They're on the other side of the Red Sea. Moses, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is writing about stuff that happened before he was even born. So Moses didn't, he wouldn't witness any of this. He wasn't there when the earth was created. Moses wasn't there. How would he know that? How would would Moses know any of this information? Unless God gave him the information. You got to get from the very beginning how supernatural this is. Because nobody was there. Genesis 1, no one was alive at that time. At the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No one was there. No one saw that that God had to give, download like a computer or hook it up to Wi-Fi. He had to download the information onto the laptop. And Moses was a laptop. He, he, He got the information, loading was complete, and now he is communicating the information out to the rest of the nation of Israel. And this is how they're understanding about God. And it says, now, this is Moses writing, about a time before Moses was alive, And this is the time in between Genesis chapter 1, then Genesis chapter 3, the fall, in between the fall and then the Tower of Babel, or the fall and Noah getting to the ark. This is that time between the fall and Noah getting to the ark. And this is why Noah actually even went to the ark. Here it says, now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. So what's, what's happening? How are men multiplying? Go ahead and say it. We're a grown church. Y'all, you know, somebody say it again. Sex. They're having sex. And thank goodness they're having sex. Sex is good. Sex is designed by God. So this is not a sin. Understand, understand. This this is not sin, right? But watch this. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the earth. And this is important. Daughters were born to them. And so now we saw the beginning, Cain and Abel, We saw that they had this little issue, and then what happened to Abel? He was killed, and then Seth came around, and now people think the righteous line is, is gonna make it, and the world's gonna be, you know, realize the God kingdom, but no. Here, there's something very horrific that happened. It says, the sons, now let me say this again, when men began to multiply on the the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Now, this is the part where most people have the biggest challenge. Please listen to this point I'm about to make. This term, sons of God, is only used in four different contexts in entire scripture. Sons of God is referenced, B'nai Ha Elohim is the Hebrew context, right? And I hope I said that right, Ruth. If I didn't, see, she's shaking her head. You said it right. So what does this mean? The sons of God. The sons of God are referenced to Adam, son of God, because it's a direct contact. It's a one-to-one engagement between God and that thing he created. That is considered God's son. So if God birthed you, God created Adam, birthed him. God also created, birthed the angels. And then if you're born again or born from above, then you are what? Son of God. You may not like the terminology son, but it has has nothing to do with, it's, it's really about authority and lineage and taking responsibility. So I gave you two. The last one, who is God's son? Jesus. Jesus is God's son. We know he wasn't birthed, but he was begotten. He was the only begotten son, and we know he was birthed through Mary, right? And so there's no other human beings or creatures in the entire universe that are called the sons of God but that. The reason why I say this is because this term right here, many people, it says, they say it's the descendant of Seth, and I'm trying to tell you these are angels. This is why this is important. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that angels saw the daughters of men. And what did they see? That they were beautiful. Angels are looking at these women like, whoo, my goodness, Lord, have mercy. I need to go get me one. You think I'm playing? I'm not even, look. It says, and they took wives for. They took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And so now what the scripture is saying is angels saw how beautiful women were and then married them. now, I had to take two steps back. This is a controversial perspective, but it was the perspective of the early church, just so you know. And so now angels are seeing women are like, man, I got to get me one. And they're getting all the women they want and they're marrying them. Now, understand uh, this word took. That's not steal. That word took means it's like uh, if, if you're going to be engaged, like in the Indian culture, if you're going to marry somebody, you're, called, you're arranged, right? It's, it, it's a word that references marriage, So here, there is consent between the women and the angels. These women are agreeing to marry these angels. Why? And and probably like, I know that's right, Leo. That's what you got to do. You got to protect. Well, on this another subject, but but what happened is these women were seeing these angels that were perfect. They were flawless. They were powerful, they were smart, they were strong, and they are like, oh my goodness, I want to marry you. This was not God's will. It was not God's will for angels to have intercourse and children with humans. You say, what are you talking about? All right? So... The angels see they're beautiful. They took wives for themselves and whom they chose. And listen to what's happening in verse 3 And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be one hundred and what? Twenty years. Before this time, humanity was living to be like 900 years old. Now, scientifically, we do know that if there's enough oxygen on the planet, then we can live longer lives. But because oxygen levels is so limited, humanity can't live that long. We get older quickly. That's been scientifically proven. Now, we do know in the millennial reign, humans will live to be 900 years again. That time is coming. It's coming, but here, God's like, I am sick of this. Because the entire planet is being breathed out. Look, just stick with me. I know you say, Pastor, where are you going? Just stick with me, church. And the Lord said, what my spirit, this is the point I want to highlight. God's spirit is grieved. It didn't say the, the Father. It didn't say the Son or the Word. It says what is grieved? The spirit. In the New Testament, we know that's true because the Bible tells us not to grieve What? the Holy Spirit. See, the problem is, it said in the video, the Holy Spirit is inhabiting all of reality. The whole creation is God's temple. And when we sin, we're affecting who? The Spirit. That's the problem. Because the Son is geographically located. He's isolated in one place. Now the Father is everywhere, but He's transcendent, but He's imminent in our lives because of the Spirit. Right now, where you're sitting, the Spirit is there. Now He He also knows what you're thinking. He knows every single thought that you think. He knows everything that's happening in your heart. You can't run from the Holy Spirit. And at this time, when this behavior started, the Holy Spirit's like, I can't take this anymore. I can't be with humanity like 900 years, no way. I'm going to cut man's day down to 100 and what? 20 years. Because I just can't take it. I'm grieved. The Holy Spirit's like, I'm out. And that's why when we try to encourage people not to sin, it's because you're influencing and affecting negatively the Spirit of God. Now, once we're Christians, we have the Holy Spirit in us, and because we have God's Spirit in us, we have to what? Be sanctified. Be careful in our actions that we not grieve the Spirit that is in us. Is everybody with me? We went around Robin his barn, but hopefully you're, you're you're back. You're back. I was taking you around the track, but we're back at the starting line. Okay. So now listen to this, I, and, and you fight with me. You know me. I'm not crazy. Am I crazy? Not yet. (laughs) Is that you? Who's that, right? Or Pastor? (laughs) All right, now let's get back to levity now. Verse 4 There were giants on the earth in those days. Now, this is a mistranslation because the Hebrew word is nephal. You know what that means? The fallen. Yes, anybody got your Bible Hub? Look it up right now. That word right there is giants is Nafal. It means the fallen. It's referencing the fallen angels. Because what you have to understand, this is what you got to get that's happening at this moment in your Bible. There is a rebellion that happened in heaven. How many angels fell? One third of the angels fell from heaven down the earth. It started a rebellion. And all of humanity at this time is a part of that rebellion. Humanity, we rejected God. We gave God the middle finger and said, we want to do it our way. That's what happened. And in order to get it our way, we said, we're going to join forces with these other spirits. So we can get it done our way. You're like, like, Pastor, you are crazy today. Just work with me. (laughs) If you stick with me, I'll get a point that we'll all agree on. All right, here we go. So that word, look it up in the fall. Just look that word up. The followers. Now, now I'm going to show you something really cool because this is where Loki, Thor, Zeus, all the Greek and Roman and, and uh, Egyptian gods come from. This this is a scripture I'm going to get into, highlighting this time. Everybody, you're like, what are you talking about? This is all the Bible. This is in your Bible. Open it up for yourself. I'm just saying, look. So there were the fallen ones on the earth. These angels had sexual intercourse with women and created these superhuman creatures. Huge, tall, small, not just giants. Imps and demons and all that, like Lord of the Rings stuff. That's what's happening during this time. You're like, come on, pastor. That's why God had to flood the earth. Because none of these creatures could be redeemed. None of these creatures can be saved. You go back, and I think it's like verse, we're going to get to verse six or seven or even eight. It says, and Noah was righteous in his day. And that word righteous is genetically whole or pure. Noah was the only one in his family who hadn't been genetically corrupted by this sexual union between women and angels. That's what your Bible says. But when we talk about it, you're like, man, this is crazy. I'm just trying to say what the scriptures say. There were giants on the earth. You say, uh, that's weird. Either you believe what it says to be true, or you're like, the Bible ain't true. And if the Bible ain't true, who's God? And how do you know it's God? Based upon what the Bible says, or what you think in your own head? Here we go. It says that the giants from the earth in those days and also afterward, then the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they, they bore children to them. Listen to this next verse. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. These were mighty men, men of renown. Who, who is that referencing? Thor, Zeus. These myths that we believe were people in the ancient times used to worship. It was a myth based upon some fact. Why did they have multiple gods? Why, why was this pantheon, why were people worshiping many gods in all these cultures? You go to Egypt, Greek, Roman, why do they have the, almost the exact same pantheon but different names? You watch the movie Clash of the Titans, you see them? Like w- those myths are referencing some historical events. You say, Pastor, come on. All right, stick with me. Now listen to this, verse five. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Why? Because humanity has said we're gonna do it our way and not God's way. We don't care what God wants. We wanna do what we want. Excuse me? And every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What does that mean? It means man only wanted to do what he wanted to do. Remember, evil biblically is just not doing God's will. That's all evil is. Evil doesn't mean you're the joker, which I'm not gonna watch that movie by the way. I didn't watch Deadpool either. I'm just trying to say, like, I'm not, like, evil is simply not doing God's will. You think, I remember Adam and Eve, right? They were in the garden. What was the one command they were asked not to do? just one one command and they didn't do that one command as a result sin entered the world here we go it says and the lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart this is interesting because sorry means he he, he's comforting himself he's looking at the condition of man he's like he's like he's feeling bad He's seeing what's happening to man. He's feeling, bad. oh man, look what's going on. Some scriptures say he repented. That's not what that means. He's not changed his mind. He's just grieved about what's happening to man because the angels and humanity are revolting against God's kingdom. Remember, God is the king at this time of the world. And people are rejecting the king. And now this part, he was grieved in his heart. What's another word we use for heart? Spirit. Here is the first real reference we have to being or grieving the Spirit. The Holy Spirit at this time is the one who is offended, who is hurt. The Holy Spirit at this time is the one who's saying, I can't take this. The Holy Spirit is the one who we need to be most concerned about in our lives because He is here with us right now. He knows everything, sees everything. He sees it all, and he still points back to Jesus Christ. Verse seven, so the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I've made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. In the verse nine, it talks about Noah being righteous in his generation. I went around Robert Hood's barn in this scripture for a point, Because the point is that when we stray from God's will, there is a logical conclusion to our end every time, every time. Some of us may look and say, man, doing a God's way is hard. And when I hear people say that, I'm like, you're walking the walk. Because it's not easy being a Christian. The Bible says those who are led by God's spirit are God's sons or i.e. daughters. Like, are you being led by God? And that's how here at this church we tell you you've got to know God for yourself. You got to read his word for yourself because this ain't play, play. This is life and death stuff. There are people right now, and I use the same story because it's all I got right now. It's two stories. I was in Iraq, and when we were in Iraq, we were preaching to people about Jesus Christ. This was before ISIS came. And we're telling these people, stay faithful to Jesus. On our way from Erbil up to the border, there were people who were getting pulled over by the side of the road because people have bombs in their cars. And at that moment, my level of commitment changed. We don't have to be like that here because we're like, nobody's going to bring a bomb up in here in this church. Right? Yeah, thank you, Pastor. (laughs) I I mean, it ain't like that here. It may never be like that here. But it doesn't mean our challenges are easy. It's, it's when, when life and death are at stake for my faithfulness, if my real commitment is at stake, I can be strong for a quick minute or two, right? But when you're in this place where you can be apathetic your whole life, you can gradually and slowly fade away. Ah. I have a couple of boys, so I'm not going to call out any of the boys' names, right? I got this one boy, though. I tell him every time, hey, do this. And as soon as I say do something, he goes, oh, you know what? I have an idea. I could do something better. (laughs) Don't call him out. (laughs) Go sit down. Oh, I know what I could do. I could go and stand and talk to mommy, go color the book. Oh, I have an idea. I could go get the phone. And, and, and you're trying to teach them what to be free thinkers to think, but but the one thing they got to get above all else is to obey. They got to obey. There's a car coming. Don't run out into the street. Oh, I have an idea. I could run really fast in the street. You, you starting to get it? God's like, no, don't watch that on TV. Don't drink that. Stop drinking. Don't read that. No, no, no. Don't go over there. Oh, I have an idea. The logical conclusion of us rejecting God's will is us getting our own. And when we're on our own, the scripture says it resulted in worldwide cataclysmic end event. And in the last days, there's going to be a time when the Bible says Satan is bound for a thousand years. This is for context. But it says Satan gets out. Do you know how he gets out? The Bible says humanity lets him out. And I always wonder, why would humans help Satan? Because in the end, Satan's number one rallying cry is like this. Freedom. Oh, I know you didn't like that. But don't you know that's Satan's cry? Freedom. Satan doesn't want to be bound by God. He wants to be free, to do it his own way. Yes, Freedom is Satan's cry. When we come to this church or we come to God, we're like, wait a minute. You're asking me to obey? You're putting me in shackles? I'm not trying to put you in shackles to hinder you I'm trying to put you in shackles so you can have real freedom some people say you know what I can keep on drinking I'll be okay I'll keep on drinking I'm managing I'm maintaining and you're slowly putting yourself in bondage I can watch this on TV at night it's okay I'm telling you how many people I know they were watching on TV next thing they know they're in an affair and they're like how did I get here? Because your freedom took you into bondage. This is, this is the saddest story in all reality because humanity rejected God and we trusted these angels, these demons, instead of trusting God. Got a couple of points and we're, we're done for the day. The union of angels and humans, human women, grieve God's spirit or the spirit of God. I'm not trying to say you're going to have interactions with angels, but the Bible says you will be. You won't even know it. That's what the Bible says. Be careful how you treat people. because and, and just so you know, angels in the Bible do not have wings. Those are just one group of angels. In the Bible, they look like us. They look just like us. The Bible says, be careful how you treat a stranger because you could be entertaining a what? An angel and you don't even know it. That's what I'm saying. In the end, when we, when we enter eternity, everything I said is going to be like, oh, he was speaking the truth. And I'm trying to tell you, I'm speaking the truth right now. Trust me, not because I'm saying it, because I'm just, I'm just one of those guys who has to say what the Bible says. That's all I am. Our interaction with the Spirit of God determines our well-being. God's Spirit is everywhere. So don't think because you're at home, you're by yourself, it's dark, that God's Spirit ain't there. Don't think because you're in an airplane going to New York that God ain't there. He's everywhere. The creation is his temple. And ultimately, you don't want to affect or influence or grieve him. Understand that the Holy Spirit's impression, understand that the Holy Spirit's impression of our lifestyle affects our relationship with God. How you live matters. Matters. It matters. How you live matters. It matters. You're ain't, you, life isn't frivolous. When when, when when I was playing pro football, we were deadly serious. Why? Because we knew that if we got played bad, we'd get cut. And we knew we had to play hard because we didn't want to get cut. And we, we, have a, we have a fireman in here, right? And when you go fight fires, you are deadly serious because he knows if he goes there playing around and the, are you a captain? Is there a captain? Okay. The captain tells him, go grab that holes and go up that steps. And if you go, I have an idea, <laughs> you're getting it now. That costs some people their life in a war. We're fighting, we're shooting, we're killing and all that stuff, and, and the captain says, go over there and shoot those people. And we're like, I have an idea. Police officer, do we have any police officers in here? Not today. Police officer tells you, keep your hands out your pocket. I have an idea. I just put some gum in there, and my mouth sure is dry. I'm not hurting anybody. I'll just put a stick in my mouth. God's like, don't do that. I have an idea. Don't offend God's spirit. Revere it. If you've gotten to the point of your walk where you can actually hear God's voice for yourself, then when you hear God, do what he says do it God is trying to save your soul, the souls of your family, there's so much at stake with every single choice it's hard but it's worth it remember the spirit of God is his most precious to him for some reason God said you know what you can stab my son. God said, you can blaspheme me and my son and even my home. But he says, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you know what he says? You shall never be forgiven. God says, they stabbed my son, they they beat him, they hung him on the cross. They, they take my name in vain, but he says, do not grieve what? The spirit of God. I'm just saying what the Bible says. You have to fight. Is that true? Can you go back to the last poll everywhere? You all made it. Can you go to the next one? You got to hit escape and then go to the next trick I knew that this would be a tough sermon maybe that's why only certain people came but I I knew I I had to preach it um, because I wanted you to know the truth that we're held accountable to God's spirit right now that's what it is God's spirit is in our life right now and your thoughts are not hidden from him he's there completely wholly it's time for you to be strong be faithful. You don't have to be perfect. But you just gotta love them. The Bible says, if you love me, you obey my commandments. Let's do this one more time. Go back to your phones, and you don't even actually have to retype it in. Just go back to the exact same uh, text screen and just add a word. The Holy Spirit is most precious to God in one word. How should you treat him? This is a hard one. This requires some thought. Emojis still apply? Haley, just so you know. Amen. See, I am scared as a pastor this moment. I I preach that sermon. I say, everybody's going to hate me. Nobody's going to get it. And I look around and the first word I see is reverence, honor, That's what God wants. Not to me, not to Endurance Church. If you leave this church, it's okay. Just go serve, honor, worship, and respect God. we bow our heads. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong.